the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Looking forward to a conversation with Dennis Prager, nationally syndicated radio host, who, along with co-star comedian Adam Carolla, are the producers of No Safe Spaces. We'll talk with him about the challenge of all of that. We're also going to talk with a client, Denny Harlow. He's the president and chief compliance officer for Harlow Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. We'll talk about how COVID-19 and the quarantine are having an impact on their business and how he can help you as you're trying to navigate your finances through this season. So that's all coming up in this first hour of today's program. First, we'll start with a look at some of the day's headlines. Uh, Progress is being made, we're being told, toward a viable vaccine for the coronavirus, according to researchers at a Philadelphia-based pharmaceutical company. Inovio, Uh, pharmaceuticals, uh, along with the University of Pennsylvania's research facility and the Wistar Institute have been working on the vaccine as recently as January. As originally reported, the vaccine was fast-tracked into development after the Chinese government made the genome sequencing of COVID-19 public. Nearly four months later, a crucial first phase of testing has begun. Researchers at Inovio uh, they say that they are unable to, or rather able to, design their vaccine in just three hours after receiving a sequence for the virus. In other related developments, nearly all of New York's coronavirus patients suffered underlying health issues, according to a new study. And President Trump announced Wednesday that he has signed his promised executive order temporarily suspending immigration to the United States during the coronavirus pandemic for 60 days. In order to protect our great American workers, I've just signed an executive order temporarily suspending immigration into the United States, the president said during the coronavirus task force briefing at the White House. This will ensure that unemployment, unemployed Americans of all backgrounds will be the first in line for jobs as our economy reopens. The president had said earlier this week that immigration would be suspended for at least 60 days in order to make sure Americans laid off during the coronavirus pandemic are first in line for new jobs. He has said the ban would be reevaluated after he looks at unemployment and economic figures. Health and Human Services doctor is saying that he has removed from the post he served after disagreeing with the uh, uh, White House over the coronavirus response. And the president has cheered Americans, uh, the production of ventilators, those who were involved, uh, sending them uh, to other countries hit hard by the coronavirus, not the makers of the ventilators, but the ventilators themselves. Well, the FBI has raided a, a New Jersey uh, factory and yielding boxes labeled respirators, according to a report. And the president is pushing back against the CDC director's warning about coronavirus's second wave. And the president has disagreed strongly with Georgia's governor's plan to reopen some businesses, but says he reserves the governor's and respects his right to make those decisions. Meanwhile, California Governor Gavin Newsom is facing pushback as state lawmakers have started demanding details of his nearly $1 billion deal to receive 200 million masks per month from a Chinese manufacturer. Just two weeks after announcing the deal, 
Uh, Newsom has remained largely mum on the specifics. Advisors to the California Democrat have declined requests for comment from the Los Angeles Times about the agreement, which was linked with Chinese electric car manufacturer BYD, which stands for Build Your Dreams, earlier this month. And as tensions in the Persian Gulf rise, the Navy has been given orders by the president to shoot and destroy Iranian vessels that harass U.S. military. Uh, One story in the uh, Washington Post points out, uh, although Trump said he had instructed the Navy on the U.S. um, response, the nation's number two military officer later said the decision to use deadly force against an Iranian ship is up to individual Navy commanders, depending on the level of threat to their ships and sailors. And Byron York is looking at Nancy Pelosi's remarkably heartless move to hold up funding of small businesses, that's his perspective, knowing she would get a pass from the mainstream media. She admitted she delayed the bill before denying it, and we're seeing more damage to businesses which can't hire people as they make more money being unemployed. And Democrats are quite proud uh, for their stalling, primarily because of hospital funding that was part of that delay tactic. And Mitch McConnell has said phase four won't include state and local pension bailouts. Mitch McConnell called uh, into Fox News to emphasize that the federal government has an obligation to help state and local governments with their COVID-19 efforts, not rescuing them from bad decisions they've made in the past. Rather than block grant aid to states, McConnell hinted that the aid will specifically target pandemic-related tasks. Ed Morrissey, responding as well, said if McConnell can stick to his guns on this, And it will demonstrate just how little Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi actually won over the last two weeks in the fight to replenish the Paycheck Protection Program. And from the Wall Street Journal, Congress is passing its fourth coronavirus relief bill this week, and already Democrats are teeing up the fifth. The main goal this time will be to bail out state governments, especially those run by Democrats and their allies in public unions. The question to ask is why the taxpayers in Appleton and Sarasota should rescue politicians and unions in Albany and Springfield. And reopening the economy will require, well, lawsuit protection. Dan McLaughlin explains that state lawmakers and Congress should act now to limit the threat of lawsuits so as to encourage economically and socially necessary activities that are bound to carry some risks. Doing so is a legitimate exercise of the power to make laws that allocate liability and decide what kinds of commerce, schooling, and public gathering can proceed without government interference. The subject also came up in Hugh Hewitt's conversation yesterday with Senator Mitch McConnell, who said now the difficulty of achieving uh, that with a Democratic House, you can understand. They are a wholly owned subsidiary of the plaintiff's bar and rarely do anything that discourages litigation. Generally speaking, they're trying to create more litigation, so I don't want to get your hopes up that this very necessary step could actually be achieved with the Nancy Pelosi-led House. Well, the Pope claims that we have sinned against the earth. Well, that's clear if you read the scriptures, that is the case. And the earth never forgives, he says. Well, it is inanimate, but nonetheless, our sin does have an impact on creation. Some believe he is um, implying the coronavirus is a result of that. And former Vice President uh, Joe Biden and presumptive nominee for the Democrat Party for president is touted, uh, Joe Biden has touted the pandemic as an exciting opportunity to push progressive laws. He told donors, I believe because sort of the blinders have been taken off because of this COVID crisis. I think people are realizing, my Lord, look at what is possible. Look at the institutional changes we can make without us becoming a socialist country or any of that malarkey that we can make to provide the opportunities to change the institutional drawbacks from education all the way through to all the other things we talked about. 
Steve Scalise responds is saying Biden uh, responded rather saying Biden reveals the plan to use this pandemic to advance Democrats radical agenda because of this COVID crisis. Look at the institutional changes we can make. He says people are losing their lives, jobs and savings, but Democrats are shamelessly more worried about their political priorities End quote. Joe Biden held up a sign and then the, uh, the photoshopping began, as you can imagine. Well, one black Georgia Democrat has resigned after harassment from fellow Democrats because he dared to back Donald Trump. And two New York cats have gotten the coronavirus, the first confirmed cases of house pets getting the virus. Dr. Casey Barton of the CDC stressed there's no evidence that pets are playing a role in spreading the disease to people. It's probably the other way around. And California fills uh, skate parks and with sand. California's respond with dirt bikes. And on this day in history, 2005, the recently created video sharing website, YouTube, uploads its first clip, Me at the Zoo, which shows YouTube co-founder Jawad Karim standing in front of an elephant enclosure at the San Diego Zoo. It was riveting. On this day in history, 1789, President-elect George Washington and his wife Martha move into the first executive mansion, the Franklin House in New York. 1943, U.S. Navy Lieutenant John F. Kennedy assumes command of PT-109, a motor torpedo boat in the Solomon Islands during World War II. Saw that movie just recently, by the way. On this day in history, 1968, student protesters began occupying buildings on the campus of Columbia University in New York. Police would shut down the protests a week later. On this day in history, also in 1968, the Methodist Church and the Evangelical United Brethren Church merge into um, a new form, the United Methodist Church. 1969, Sirhan Sirhan is sentenced to death for the assassination of New York Senator Robert F. Kennedy. The sentence would be reduced to life imprisonment. 1971, hundreds of Vietnam War veterans opposed to the conflict protest by tossing their medals and ribbons over a wire fence in front of the U.S. Capitol. 1988, a federal ban on smoking during domestic airline flights of two hours or less goes into effect. And on this day in history, 1995, legendary sportscaster Howard Cosell dies in New York City at age 77. And finally, on this day in history, 1998, James Earl Ray, who confessed to assassinating the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. and then insisted he had been framed, dies at a Nashville, Tennessee hospital at age 70. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Up next, we are going to talk with Dennis Prager, nationally syndicated radio host, who, along with co-star comedian Adam Carolla, produced No Safe Spaces. That's next, right here on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. As you know, I've been talking for the last uh, week or so about No Safe Spaces. I've seen the, uh, the documentary and have been recommending it to all of you. It was uh, 2019's top political documentary, but it's now available to watch at home. Now, critics called No Safe Spaces smart, vital, urgent, and one of the most important documentaries that you need to see today, quite literally today. It tells us disturbing stories of how America is becoming a dangerous place to speak your mind and share ideas but it does it in an entertaining way, if you can imagine that. Well, the film stars my next guest, Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla, but also features Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, uh, Tim Allen, and personalities on the left like Van Jones, Cornell West, and Alan Dershowitz. Well, here to talk with us about that is Dennis Prager, and I am just so honored to have you on the program. Welcome. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you, Georgine. Thank you. I, I wish it were a, um, a happier time, but it's good to be with you. 
Well, I'm grateful for the technology that makes it even possible. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Now, you and Adam Carolla, who is a comedian, come from two very different backgrounds, but share a common concern about the erosion of free speech and tolerance. How do the two of you come together to produce what I think is a seminal work on uh, free speech in America today? There are many reasons to uh, get this film and watch it and watch it o- over and over. And I've seen it six times and I and I, I find it riveting every time. That's how good mm-hmm. it is. And I don't take credit for it. It's the, it's the producers and writers and directors who I think made it great. But uh, one of the reasons to do it is to hear Adam, uh, who I think is the funniest man in America, is to uh, is to hear him describe how. Uh, Unlikely it is that he and I would ever team up, given, as you pointed out, you, you, if you manufactured two different backgrounds, this is what you would manufacture. So, uh, but it proves <laughs> that what bonds people uh, is not race or ethnicity or, or, uh, or even specific religion. It's values. And I say it as a religious person. Uh, you know, not all Christians share the same values. Not all Jews same the same, share the same values. He he's uh, he calls himself an atheist. We have every value in common except uh, belief in God. I mean, it, it's uh, so it, it's a very powerful thing that we're together, and and we're both worried about the the unprecedented assault on free speech taking place in America today, specifically on campus. Yeah, I appreciate the emphasis on unprecedented, because I think while many of us are aware of what's happening on college campuses, we don't understand the depth and breadth of the impact that it has. Now, one of the things that No Safe Spaces illustrates is how America is exceptional, but that it's becoming a dangerous place to speak your mind and share your ideas. The film talks about how that happens. Can you touch on, on how we've arrived at this point and in a place where you expect the free exchange of ideas is paramount? Yes, I can explain it, actually. It's taken me a good chunk of my life to understand it, but I can explain it. The uh, Wherever the left uh, has dominant influence, there is less liberty. Uh, it, it, it's literally as simple as that, and the left is nowhere as powerful as it is on the, on the campus. Therefore, there is less free speech on the campus than anywhere else in the United States. Well, I have to say that many of the stories that are featured in No Safe Spaces are disturbing. Uh, It's hard to imagine that you're talking about a campus uh, at Evergreen, for example, just down the road from us here in Oregon. You're talking about campuses in the United States. It is unprecedented, and yet uh, it, it seems to be the trend. How hopeful are you that by exposing what's happening and the undermining of the free exercise of, of speech and expression, that we can t- uh, turn the tide if we confront it and understand what's happening? I'll be hopeful if millions of Americans see this film. I'll be I'm totally uh, honest with you. Uh, I, I, that is how powerful I think the film is. Uh, and I believe if, if, especially now, it's a God-given opportunity to have your kids in high school or college see this film. Otherwise, they won't because they're not going to do what a parent recommends. And if, if, they could, uh, if they could watch it with you or watch it on their own in the house, uh, it, it will have an impact because it's not preachy. It's descriptive no. and it's even funny. It's even funny. 
Yeah, how you manage to do both of those things is amazing to me. I wanted to mention that No Safe Spaces had a limited re- release on 200 screens in 2019. Fans didn't get much of an opportunity to see it. Netflix, Amazon Prime, they're not showing it. Salem Media had to step up because there was an effort to silence the message of this film that really straddles both uh, liberal and conservative when it comes to the message of affirming and supporting uh, the free speech. Um, explain how Salem ended up getting the movie, which I think illustrates the importance of it and the importance of the message that must be seen and heard by Americans all across the Fruited Plain. It's really a scandal that such a successful and, and brilliant movie uh, with, you know, pretty big names uh, was, is not, was not accepted for streaming by Netflix uh, or, or Amazon. Uh, it's, it's, very, it's actually, that's part of the problem. It's very, very disturbing. Uh, uh, and so Salem uh, did step up, uh, my my beloved Salem, and and that's that's the vehicle. And if, if the more successful it is with Salem, the more it is a statement to Netflix and Amazon. You should allow non left wing uh, films to be uh, shown on your on your websites, on your streaming services. I think No Safe Spaces is the most important documentary that's been produced in 2019, but certainly available in 2020. And I've been talking about it every day. I have to admit that when I first started watching it, my expectations were limited and it exceeded my expectations in terms of how alarming the information that's presented there was and how serious this issue is. And uh, Salem has made it available on their uh, platform, nosafespaces.com. And with a, uh, a discount code of SAVE25, listeners to KPDQ can enjoy a 25% discount. But this is must-see um, entertainment, I think is the right word, because it is that, but it, it's much, much more than that. How would you describe No Safe Spaces in terms of yeah, the urgency no, exactly, of the need exactly to see it? What you, it's exactly what you just said. That's right. It is very entertaining. Uh, listen, it this will crack you up. It not only exceeded your expectations, it exceeded my expectations. <laughs> and, and I'm one of the two stars, as they say. <laughs> That's how good a job they did. I kept wondering, how are they going to make this into a movie, not just a documentary, but they did. And how are they going to have people laugh on such a serious subject? But they do. If you don't have the chills at the end of this movie, uh, it, it means you didn't watch it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and to have so many comedians express their concern about um, the restriction on what can and cannot be said uh, and how you describe the importance of not only allowing others to speak, but in the exchange, engaging others, having the opportunity to challenge what other people are saying. And in the absence of that, we've lost something of greater value than I think we maybe appreciate uh, in a republic like this one. That's correct. You got it right. I just hope your uh, your listeners uh, watch it. Uh, they they need good material anyway during this lockdown. It's like we're supplying you with something truly meaningful and uh, important that your kids see. Absolutely. Well, Dennis Prager, I am so grateful for your time here today, but certainly for No Safe Spaces. And I'm certainly advocating that our listeners here at KPDQ take full advantage of this pause that we've been given to sit down and watch it. And you're right, once, twice, many times, I intend to purchase it once it's available on CD on uh, CD because it, it's worth seeing many times. So thank you so much for all that you've uh, all you've done. Thank you for what you're doing.
Appreciate it very much. Once again, listeners, no safe spaces. It's a sobering reminder that no matter who you are, if you think or say anything that the radical left doesn't like, they will come for you. To understand what lays behind that and how to confront it, you need to see No Safe Spaces. It's on demand at nosafespaces.com, 19.99 for a limited time. And for KPDQ listeners, you have a discount code SAVE25. Watch it today. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to be back in a few moments, so stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. With us today, we have um, Denny Harlow. He's the president and chief compliance officer for Harlow Wealth Management. He's a registered investment advisor. They're an independent financial services firm. They help individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investment and insurance products to custom suit their needs and objectives. And for many of us who anticipated retirement at some point in our lifetime, we may be a little concerned about our 401k as well as other strategies that we have employed. So maybe Denny can help us understand a little bit better all of that. Denny Harlow, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you very, very much for having me. I, I, you know, we're here always trying to figure out what to be doing since we're all working from home and stuff right now. So this has been a real pleasure for me and uh, a real privilege to talk to you as well, Georgine. Well, thank you. Let me ask you, first of all, how you and your family are faring with this new normal. Well, we're faring, you know, pretty well, uh, along with a lot of other people. There's a lot of uh, confusion. There's a lot of things that we have to adjust to. I think there's going to be a real um, new normal in the future. I don't think the mm-hmm. old the old past is going to be the same in the future. So it's a matter of just making adjustments and understanding what those adjustments really are and, and how do we move forward from that. But we're doing quite well adjusting to the change that's going on in our world today. Well, good, good. I think when we're talking about things uh, changing, adjustments, and the new normal, many of us who have anticipated retirement, we hope at some point in our future, um, the economic downturn has really raised questions about whether or not my 401k or my retirement plan is going to be able to support me in the future. First of all, let me ask you to talk a little bit about what the uh, uh, Harlow um, uh, wealth does to help clients, so wealth management does to help clients who are preparing for the future, and it, particularly in this volatile season. Well, Georgine, we are a full-fledged financial planning firm. We actually have a process that we call the Harlow Wealth Retirement Blueprint, and that's what really helps our clients have a uh, a plan. A mm-hmm. lot of people come in, I, we, we do uh, workshops and seminars and webinars, and in fact, we're actually having one today. We've got about 40 people or so online that that really want to know, how do I adjust my finances during this COVID-19 virus? But our our services go a lot deeper. We're really involved in doing retirement planning, income planning, not so much the areas of helping people to accumulate money, although we can do that. We're predominantly talking to people that are 50 and over, many in their 60s. Our average client is about 68 years old. They're either in retirement or getting very, very close to it. And I've always said for a long time that, you know, getting to retirement is a whole lot different than getting through it. It really demands a different mindset, different types of products, different philosophy, because the one thing that you never want to find yourself doing is running out of money in the future. Yeah. So we make sure that our clients will never, ever run out of money in the future, but there are only certain ways that you can go about doing that. This so many different products out there today, it's really difficult to make a decision. In fact, I've said this a lot of times, even on my radio show, that one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Proverbs 2.11. And it says, understanding will watch over you, 
and discretion will guide you. Well, when you understand what you can really do, making the decisions are not that hard. But the problem is, especially right now, Georgine, is that people really don't know what to do because they're really very, very concerned and confused about what they can do. Yeah, I remember during the um, recession back in, what was it, 2008, a lot of people's 401k was drained away and their retirement plans um, had to be set aside. I think there's a lot of concern about the uncertainty of uh, the economy and whether or not it's possible to make decisions and plans that can help to protect you from the volatility that, that swirls around us. So what you're suggesting is that there are things that we can do to make it less likely that we um, will be fall victim to these kinds of economic changes? Well, there definitely is things to do. In fact, uh, there's five factors that I like people to consider, particularly right now, is Mm -hmm. that you have to look at the speed of the market's decline. Georgine, on March 9th, we had the largest drop in the history of the market in one day. Two days followed that, on the 12th and the 16th of March. So those three were the worst days in the market's history. It dropped 25 to 30% in 22 trading days. The, the second, third, and fourth fastest drops happened during the Depression, 1929-1934. In fact, in 1932 during the Depression, the market was actually down 89% from its previous high. So right now we're down about 30% from its previous high. The question becomes, how much further can it go? And we now see how fast it dropped. Mm -hmm. But now the other factors is, you know, there is still room for the markets to drop. There's a lot of people out there. There's an article written by Chuck Jones, and he's he's a financial writer for the USA Today. He says he's looking at the the plausibility that the market could go another 20 to 40%. The other thing to look at is the skyrocketing unemployment. Well, from what I understand, even this morning, unemployment now is sitting at about 27 million people unemployed right now. I mean, we've just never seen this kind of stuff happen before. Also, the impact that it's having on industries, the economy, both you know locally, uh, nationally, and of, and of course globally as well, and then the continued a spread of COVID-19 that we don't even have anywhere near under control at this particular time. So there are things that you have to be looking at, and a lot of those things point to the fact that the market could drop another 15 or 20 or 25 percent. We don't think this is over yet. We think there's still a lot of fear out there, and fear in people create selling. People sell kind of at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are several things that people can do, and we're offering to all of our clients and uh, people that listen to us on the radio a free 15-minute consultation. We're offering that on our website at harlowwealth.com. They have, a, they have a link that they can go to. They can request just a 15-minute interview. We can talk. We can just kind of see what you're doing, what you're concerned with. And we're doing, of course, like a lot of companies and stuff these days, we're doing a lot of screen sharing, a lot of virtual webinars and seminars and stuff with people and appointments with them. And you know what? That's working out very, very well. And so people can kind of talk about their finances without having to you know, leave the privacy of their own home right now. It's, it's, really, it's really making things a lot easier. But you really have to understand some of the things that you need to be looking at right now and how to protect what you already have. Because there are 
different things that you can do. Well, and that's so wise. You mentioned a moment ago that fear motivates people to do things that may not be in their best long-term interest. So information, talking with someone who knows and understands what's happening and looking ahead is a great way to avoid making uh, foolish mistakes that we may later regret. Now, you mentioned a couple of things. For a free consultation, go to harlowwealth.com, and that's one way to talk with someone and kind of get an overview. But also, and I wasn't sure if, if it was possible for folks who are listening to us now to join you for the uh, live event that's taking place this evening at six. Is that online webinar still open? Um, it may be if they go to our website right now. There is a link in there for upcoming shows and uh, upcoming webinars that we're having. And it's still possible to get in tonight. I don't know if the link has been closed. I know a certain period of time before that they do close it down. But we're having uh, two in May. We're having some in June. There, there's several things that we're actually providing to the public out there so they can get the information that they need and be aware that there's other, there are things that you can do. Right now, remember, there's a lot that you can't do anything about. But I'm, I'm here to tell you that there's a lot that you can do, and it, your financial future is one of those things that you can do something about, but you have to take that step to do so. Oh, that's so reassuring to hear that and to know that you're a resource that people can come to to find out <laughs> the answer to that question in their particular case. What a tremendous gift to our community. And of course, um, Harlow Wealth Management uh, has been uh, part of the KPDQ family for some time. And we'd like to encourage you to take advantage of the services they're providing for your benefit and also, also to support those who support um, the programming that you enjoy. Now, again, the website is harlowwealth.com, and you can find all kinds of information. You can have that uh, arrange to have that consultation to attend one of their webinars. And again, I'm not sure if the uh, webinar that's 6 o'clock uh, p.m. this evening is still open, but you can check that out there. But uh, again, what a tremendous resource to give us a, a moment to take a deep breath and say, okay, I don't have to be completely in the dark. There are people who know uh, what's uh, what I can do next and how I can protect my future. So I really appreciate your partnership with the radio stations, KPDQ and other sister stations, and for taking the time to be with us here today. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Again, HarlowWealth.com, the Harlow Wealth Management folks, a registered um, investment advisor, Denny Harlow, and others are there to help. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a quick break, but we will be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. At least seven people were killed after tornadoes tore through parts of Texas, Oklahoma, and Louisiana last night and into this morning, splintering homes, overturning semi trucks on the interstate. You get the picture. At least seven were killed. The National Weather Service Storm Prediction Center said there were preliminary reports of 26 tornadoes throughout the day. That's Wednesday across the southern plains with a number of likely to go up as the severe weather moves across Mississippi on Thursday. We had over two dozen reports of tornadoes, one of them moving fatal in uh, Oklahoma last night, according to a senior meteorologist. It's not over yet. Um, We're going to see the potential for strong storms including deadly tornadoes, the risk for deadly tornadoes across the portion of Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, through Georgia and Florida, and then the Carolinas. Among the dead was the trailer factory worker who was killed in southern Oklahoma's Marshall County when a tornado struck Medill near the Red River uh, Wednesday, causing widespread damage to that town. Marshall County Emergency Management Director told the Associated Press the person's body was found about a fourth of a mile 
from the manufacturing uh, facility that uh, he had been working in. A second person died in Medill when the tornado blew his vehicle off the highway. The body of that 46-year-old was found in the median and his vehicle in a nearby field. Apparently, they were not together. A reported uh, tornado also flipped a semi-truck on Interstate 35 in Oklahoma. Again, tornadoes ripped through Oklahoma, Texas, and Louisiana, killing seven. And that is uh, that severe weather is expected to continue over the next um, few hours or at least throughout the day. Uh, and uh, that weather will come across portions of Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, through Georgia, Florida, and then the Carolinas. With an Oregon coronavirus update for the day, and that may change by the late afternoon, but hospitals can resume non-urgent procedures, we were told. That's next week. Cases of COVID-19, a new strain of the coronavirus, began popping up in the United States in January. The first case in Oregon, however, wasn't until the 28th of February. Oregon now has 78 deaths uh, to its toll, 2,059 cases. And of those tested, 39,000, the vast majority uh, were negative. In Washington, there have been 692 reported deaths and uh, 12,494 cases. Across the country, there have been 46,785 deaths. Worldwide, 185,420 deaths, the latest global numbers. Well, earlier in the day, Oregon's governor, Kate Brown, uh, took the first big step in reopening the state's economy. Non-urgent procedures done by health care providers can resume on the 1st of May as long as medical providers meet certain conditions. Also in the morning, more than 4.4 million laid-off workers applied for U.S. unemployment uh, benefits this last week. Roughly 26 million uh, people have now filed for a jobless aid in the five weeks since the virus outbreak began and quarantining began. Oregon's unemployment number will be released later in the day. And overnight, Oregon unexpectedly withheld $600 federal bonus checks for some 10,000 laid-off Oregonians this week, the latest stumble in a series of mistakes at the troubled employment department. And a Forest Grove renter is suing his landlord for allegedly using the IRS website to find out if he received a stimulus check. And right now, you can uh, buy a gallon of gas for less than $1 a gallon in more than a dozen states. The average price in Portland is more than $2.60, however. Why is it so much more expensive here than elsewhere? Well, you can find that answer online. A new poll found 82% of Oregonians strongly support stay-home orders in the fight against COVID-19. The survey found that protesters calling on Oregon Governor Kate Brown to reopen the state's economy do not represent most residents. However, in rural areas, those numbers might be considered uh, different. Again, hospitals, surgical centers, dental and medical centers will be allowed to resume elective procedures on the 1st of May, according to the governor announcing this morning. The facilities have to comply with new restrictions for COVID-19 safety. Uh, She said in a prepared statement, they must have adequate supplies of personal protective equipment, follow the Centers for Disease Control guidelines for their use. As anyone waiting for an elective surgery knows, non-urgent does not mean minor. Uh, This is incredibly important medical care that we would uh, not have told providers to delay if the threat of COVID-19 had not made it necessary. Hospitals and other medical providers will need to minimize the risk of coronavirus transmission to patients and healthcare workers, maintain adequate hospital capacity in the event of a surge of COVID-19, and support the healthcare workforce in safety-resuming activities. 
Well, state and local governments across the country are expecting to lay off workers in the near future, lamenting that a new stimulus bill is not providing them with additional funds. Governors and Washington Democrats have uh, called for federal aid to states in the bill currently being de- debated in the House, despite last month's CARES Act providing $150 billion for state and local bodies dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. Without this relief, states will be confronted with the prospect of cuts to essential services. That's what Maryland's governor, Larry Hogan, says, as well as New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, who led the National Governors Association. They said in a joint statement last week in which they called for $500 billion in federal assistance to states, this will make it much harder to have a strong economy and economic recovery, which is a top priority for the president and for all of the governors. Los Angeles already is forcing city workers to take a 26-day unpaid leave, the equivalent of a 10% pay cut over the course of the next fiscal year. Detroit is also facing significant layoffs and furloughs. furloughs Hamilton County, Ohio Commissioner uh, Denise uh, Dryhouse, she announced Wednesday that 240 county employees had, uh, had to be furloughed and senior officials still working in the county are taking pay cuts as well. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy claimed in a Wednesday briefing that he will have to make draconian cuts without federal assistance. I also cannot be clearer that the choices we will have to make absent federal assistance are dire for our state and our recovery. States like New York, however, were facing serious financial woes before the coronavirus pandemic even hit. Going into the fiscal year, Cuomo State faced a $6 billion budget deficit and worst uh, in nearly a decade. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, as I quoted earlier, suggested Wednesday on the Hugh Hewitt show that states strapped for cash should be allowed to declare bankruptcy instead of getting federal bailouts to help them deal with financial problems that predate COVID-19. Yeah, I would certainly be in favor of allowing states to use the bankruptcy route. He's, uh, it saves some cities, and there's no good reason for it not to be available. He noted, however, that states are likely to agree that bankruptcy shouldn't be the first option. Went on to say, my guess is their first choice would be for the federal government to borrow money from the future generations to send it down to them now so that they don't have to do that. That's not something I'm going to be in favor of. Well, Thursday morning, uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer asked if McConnell's fellow GOP senators agreed. Republican senators, raise your hand if you think your state should go bankrupt, he tweeted. In the meantime, the Department of Health and Human Services announced on Thursday that the CDC will be using $631 million from the CARES Act to help states deal with the pandemic and work toward reopening. This will fund, this uh, new funding, secured from Congress by the president, will help public health departments across America continue to battle COVID-19 and expand their capacity for testing, contact tracing, and containment, HHS Secretary Alex Azar said in that statement. What are some of the things that we might anticipate will change as a consequence? Well, testing, testing, Testing. In these trying times, we have to turn to the greatest document in history of the world to uh, promise freedom and opportunity to citizens for their guidance. And what's permissible under our form of government? Well, testing is critically important. And as, as it scales up across the, count, the uh, country, rather, uh, there may be a coronavirus test in your future. Of course, you could certainly expect one if you aren't feeling well and have any of the symptoms associated with COVID-19, the disease caused by the SARS-CoV-2 virus. But that's not all. You also may be tested for the presence of the antibodies of SARS-CoV-2 if you've had the virus and gotten well either at home or in hospital. Because antibodies remain in your system long after the active infection, these tests also are uh, used to determine the true spread of coronavirus geographically. 
Also, contact tracing. When a person tests positive for COVID-19, a state or local health department likely will seek to interview him or her to determine who came into contact with that individual recently. The process is known as contact tracing, and some are fearful that this may become the norm long after COVID-19 is a major concern. Also, new mitigation measures as we move beyond physical and social distancing and toward reopening the country. You should expect to be asked in Uh, to incorporate new public health practices into your life to protect yourself and others. After all, lifting lockdowns won't make this virus any less infectious or less deadly. Also, re-implementing restrictions. As we look toward a reopening of the nation, America's leaders are navigating uncharted waters. And it may be that they'll have to uh, uh, re-implement restrictions. Finally, protecting the vulnerable. Society has to take special measures to guard at-risk groups from infection from the virus, especially those at nursing homes and in elderly communities and those uh, with pre-existing conditions, especially diabetes or respiratory, cardiac or immunity issues. These groups are highly susceptible to the uh, uh, infection and although inconvenient and emotionally difficult, we'll need to continue physical distancing from vulnerable loved ones while we develop therapeutics that treat the, the, the disease as well as a vaccine to protect us from contracting it. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Quick break. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the second hour of The Georgine Rice Show. In our first hour, we had an opportunity to talk with Dennis Prager, nationally syndicated radio host and co-star with comedian Adam Carella. It's actually Carolla. Uh, who produced No Safe Spaces, and we're going to share that conversation with you in the 5 o'clock hour as well, so we're looking forward to that later this hour. As you might recall, Salem Media Group has jumped into the movie business by streaming No Safe Spaces. It's a documentary about free speech from comedian Adam Carolla and nationally syndicated host Dennis Prager, whom we'll hear from shortly. No Safe Spaces was uh, 2019's top political documentary. The film exposes the toll political correctness is taking on college campuses and beyond. And despite the film's popularity, the filmmakers weren't able to strike a deal with traditional streamers due to political bias in Hollywood. So they took it to Salem Radio and uh, Salem Media, and you can now see it online. Uh, Marking the first time uh, is showing, um, uh, this is the first time Salem is showing this feature online, so we're excited about that. Well, the message of the film is how free speech and tolerance is being blocked by intolerant forces who say they believe in free speech, unless, of course, it's something they disagree with. So I'd like to encourage you to check it out. No Safe Spaces is now available to watch for a limited time only at nosafespaces.com for $19.95 for KPDQ listeners. Uh, There's a discount code SAVE25, and you can save 25% off. Again, nosavespaces.com. And coming up later this hour, you'll have an opportunity to hear from Dennis Prager about precisely that. Well, as churches and ministries are seeing record numbers online due to the coronavirus pandemic, one evangelist is calling it the Great Quarantine Revival. Nick Hall is the founder of Pulse and host of Fox Nation's Bible Quarantine series, He saw more than 117,000 people from dozens of countries across the world put their faith in Jesus after hearing the gospel during virtual events that he's hosted. We were literally getting smartphone photos from all over the world, from Nigeria to India and China, of families gathering in their living rooms around 18-inch cat hole ray TVs, laptops, HD screens, watching our services, Hall said in a statement. The doors to our church buildings may have been closed, but the church has not been closed. We're living through a great quarantine revival, and I think God is just getting started. 
Well, this Minneapolis-based leader saw the massive responses during Holy Week. On Good Friday, he hosted a special service with talks uh, from him, Christian scholar Ravi Zacharias, pastor and author Max Lucado, NFL Super Bowl champion and Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy, Francis Chan, the Reverend Samuel Rodriguez, and worship led by Lauren Daigle, Michael W. Smith, and duo Carrie Job and um, Cody Carnes. No lightweight lineup there. Well, that service was broadcast in nearly 100 countries, including Japan and China, Nepal, Thailand, India, Kenya, Nigeria, Ukraine, and Russia, and was translated into 40 different languages. This is pretty extraordinary. We had translators working in closed uh, countries who were risking their lives to bring this message in their language to their people because that's how precious the gospel is to them, he explained. And days before that, he hosted a leader check-in on the 8th of April to encourage and uplift ministry leaders and pastors ahead of Easter the Super Bowl of Sundays for Christians. Well, this happens because I had a lot of friends that were uh, calling me, crying in tears, overwhelmed by the situation, whether it was at home, in their business, or in their church. He um, hosted the event and says, I simply called out to God and said, God, what would it look like to bring together men and women to offer hope and perspective in this moment of need? Well, the answer came in the form of dozens of Christian leaders, including MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell, author Bob Goff, Bible teacher and actress Priscilla Shire, Anne Voskamp, Beth Moore, Sadie Robertson, David Platt, Lecrae, and Matt Mayer, uh, who offered biblical advice and encouragement for COVID-19 crisis. Well, Senator James Langford and Senator Tim Scott, they spoke of the economic relief opportunities of the CARES Act and uh, other issues as well, but Pulse raised $80,000 for churches, uh, helping churches, a campaign to provide financial assistance for churches who are on the brink of closing and partnered with World Vision to raise money for COVID-19 domestic and global relief efforts. So if you wonder what's going on behind the scenes, behind the curtain, beyond what you and I might be able to uh, perceive on our own. Also, there's a global movement uh, for prayer uh, for healthcare workers fighting against the coronavirus. Um, it's la- it was launched rather in Jelu- Jerusalem on Thursday. Care with a Prayer is a campaign launched by a global organization, Momentum, previously known as the Jewish Women's Resistance Project, or rather, not resistance, Renaissance Project. Let me clarify, Jewish Women's Renaissance Project. People of all faiths were encouraged to participate at the website carewithprayer.org, where they can request the name of a healthcare worker to pray for, and healthcare workers can submit their own names and the names of their associates to have someone pray for them. The campaign is um, not only a way of showing our care for them, but is built to help inspire action and awaken our souls to the transformative power of prayer, uh, Momentum founding director says uh, in an interview. And while the majority of the population is sheltering at home, our courageous doctors, nurses, first responders, social workers, and other medical staff are on the front lines battling to save the lives of patients infected by coronavirus. Every day when they go to work, they are risking their lives to provide care for us. Well, Dr. Louis uh, Profeta An emergency physician and member of the Indianapolis Forensic Services Board called the campaign an answer to prayer as the pandemic has demanded the ultimate sacrifice from the global healthcare community and has required that we put ourselves directly in harm's way every day and then perhaps bring that harm back home at the end of the day. Over the last several weeks of treating COVID-19 patients, he went on to say, I have thought about the power of prayer and wondered who is praying for me and my colleagues around the world. The campaign was created to answer that call and to inspire people around the world to experience and participate in prayer. 
Well, after someone submits their request to prayer, they'll be they'll receive an email with the healthcare worker's name and profession, along with a suggested uh, universal prayer. But you certainly are free to pray as uh, as you wish. Again, it's carewithaprayer.org. One of the texts of a suggested prayer says this: Dear God, Creator of heaven and earth. We ask you from the depths of our hearts and souls to please protect those on the front lines of this war. All of the courageous doctors, nurses, hospital workers, and first responders, their selfless effort inspire us to call out to you. I ask you to please protect, and then you say the name, who has a special place in our prayers. And when this time passes, may we emerge a better people committed to making a better world. May it be soon. Well, it was created by Momentum's Israel Public Council, a group of um, diverse women from across Israeli society, with an aim of fostering unity in Israel and around the world. The group was founded back in 2009, and since then, they've welcomed some 20,000 Jewish individuals from 30 countries to their year-long journey, which included an eight-day experience in Israel, empowers women to change the world through um, Judeo-Christian values to transform themselves, their families, and their communities. And if you're interested in following up on that, again, carewithaprayer.org. Just a couple of examples of how people are crying out to God and God is, is answering. And then I thought this was inspiring as well. An Oregon high school student is making clear face masks so that hearing impaired people can be safe during the coronavirus uh, crisis. Reading lips is one way they communicate, and um, this is a way that they can not only uh, speak, uh, but can also read the lips of others. Well, medical experts recommend wearing face masks in public to show to slow rather the spread of the coronavirus. But a Sunset High School junior, Eric Kim, could see a problem. For those who are hearing impaired and rely on lip reading, a mask becomes a barrier to communication. Everyone knows that masks are in a real shortage right now. Even when I go to the store, I can't buy a regular mask because they are sold out everywhere. Try finding one made out of clear fabric. That's a whole nother category. So this teenager uh, who had uh, a sudden and unexplained loss of hearing in his left ear as a sixth grader has been a volunteer for the Tucker Maxim School. Tucker, Tucker Maxim serves hearing impaired students through the fifth grade. And he said, I wondered how those students there um, would even be able to get masks and communicate so that they could live life normally. Well, at about the same time, he saw a CNN report about a 21-year-old uh, who was um, hand-making clear masks in Kentucky. If she could do it, he said, so can I. Well, Kim contracted, um, uh, contacted Lawrence to get the basics, found some clear fabric at a local Dollar Tree store, and with the aid of his mom's sewing machine, went to work. He had no background in sewing, but didn't let that stop him. Uh, it was uh, a lot harder than he thought. It took uh, like three or four hours. The hardest part was outlining the fabric and making room for the clear um, insert so that uh, lips could be seen. Also, we had to insert pipe cleaners um, on the top and bottom to adjust for the, the nose grip and to keep it from fogging up the clear uh, plastic. So it had uh, it had challenges. He had some early help from his mom, but essentially this was a learn-as-you-go operation. He says, as long as people keep requesting, I'll be making masks whenever I can. So here you have a teenager from Centennial High School who just decides, I see a need, or excuse me, from Sunset High School, Eric Kim from Sunset High School, who says, I see a need, I'm going to do something about it, and that's precisely what he's done.
pretty remarkable. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Up next, we're going to share my conversation with Dennis Prager. He is um, a syndicated talk show host here uh, with Salem uh, Media. We're going to talk about the documentary, No Safe Spaces, so stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. While another 4.4 million Americans filed for unemployment claims last week, the Labor Department reported today a massive job loss as caused by the coronavirus pandemic continues to grow those numbers. Still, the U.S. equity markets inched higher. Wall Street awaited the House to vote on the replenishment of the aid package to small businesses battered by COVID-19 pandemic. We assume that will be done at some point in the near future. Not already. Meanwhile, state and local governments across the country are expecting to lay off workers in the near future, lamenting that a new stimulus bill is not providing them with additional funds. Now, the stimulus is to deal with managing the impact of COVID-19, not bad decisions made in the past. At least that's what Mitch McConnell is saying. And former Obama White House Chief of Staff Rahm Emanuel said during the 2008 financial crisis that lawmakers should never let a crisis go to waste. And many Democratic lawmakers appear to be heeding that advice in 2020, using the coronavirus pandemic as a jumping off point to renew calls for an historic expansion of government. And the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, they're sending more than $600 million to state and local governments to help with testing to identify new cases of novel coronavirus. Officials are weighing when to begin steps to reopen their economies, some beginning as early as tomorrow. Former U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley on Thursday launched a petition urging Congress to investigate China for its role in the coronavirus crisis and to crack down on the communist government's actions across the globe. And the 2020 NFL draft is still set to take place despite the coronavirus pandemic affecting the entire sports world. Rather interesting how they're going to do it. And even if you're not into football, it might be interesting to see how they manage going from one location to another when you're talking about dozens of people who are all going to be part of the broadcast from their respective locations where they're sheltering in place. Meanwhile, as I mentioned earlier, a global prayer movement for healthcare workers fighting against the coronavirus is launched out of Jerusalem today. And despite no recommendations from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to do so, shoppers continue to wear gloves in public places, such as grocery stores. Now, this is uh, rather interesting. The gesture has left doctors and health uh, experts shaking their heads. Not only are the gloves ineffective, they may be worsening the spread of COVID-19. So this is worth uh, mentioning that gloves are coming off in the fight against the dangerous myths surrounding the coronavirus. Now, it seems... uh, Uh, reasonable to wear gloves when you're talking about not touching your face and the fact that your hands can carry it. But apparently gloves are not the answer. Despite no recommendations from the CDC's, um, uh, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to do so, shoppers are still wearing gloves in public places like grocery stores. Well, it's left, um, left them wondering why. Well, the virus primarily spreads through your mouth, not your hands. So there's no evidence that gloves do anything to protect people from picking up the illness. Now, the risk is when people touch their faces, which they do with or without gloves, according to a microbiologist and professor at the University of Washington's Department of Environmental and Occupational Health Services. So it's what you do with your hands, gloved or not, on your face that makes the difference. Well, the biggest issue is that people are picking up COVID-19 from other people. They're not picking it up from surfaces. So wearing gloves with a shopping cart, not going to make a difference. Now, even if you're careful not to touch your face or your phone while wearing the gloves, improper disposal 
of the uh, gloves could make your gloves a corona culprit. In 2003, for example, Canadian researchers were exposed to SARS, that was the thing then, after removing their personal protective equipment incorrectly. Now, cases like these are the main reason why gloves often do more harm than good. When you're not wearing the gloves, you simply wash your hands. But when you take the gloves off, there's a false sense of security that your hands are clean and protected when, in fact, removing the gloves may spread COVID-19 to your hands. And if you touch your face, that's your problem. Wearing gloves if you're just going to the grocery store isn't going to be that protective. The bigger issue is the inappropriate disposal. And the average shopper likely isn't well-versed in proper glove removal, according to the clinical professor at Turo College uh, of Medicine in, um, oh, where are they, New somewhere, New York. Well, in uh, medical school, they spent whole lessons on how to don gloves and to remove them. So this is something the average uh, person strolling along the grocery store is not going to know or easily pick up. So make note, no gloves in the grocery store, wash your hands, and don't touch your face. Uh, President Trump said that the U.S. Navy's Blue Angels and Air Force's Thunderbirds would be doing flyovers of major American cities in honor of America's medical workers, and that on July 4th, he would bring back the Independence Day celebration held last year on the National Mall in a uh, note of optimism. COVID-19 has largely been associated with symptoms such as fatigue, persistent cough, fevers, and recently lesions. Again, fatigue, a persistent cough, fevers, and recently lesions primarily on the feet. However, it may also cause strokes in patients under 50. That's according to a new report. American Airlines is the latest carrier hit with a class action lawsuit over refunds for canceled flights as a complaint alleges unfair and deceptive conduct. You can't fly, but they won't refund your money. They would much rather give you a, uh, a certificate that allows you to fly at some point in the future rather than return the cash, as they, like so many others, are struggling. Meanwhile, New York Governor uh, Andrew Cuomo revealed today that the preliminary results of a coronavirus antibody study in that state show the statewide infection rate is 13.9 percent, which would mean around 2.7 million residents could have carried the disease, could have carried the disease. Now, because not everyone has been tested, this is a big could have. The 3,000 samples were collected from 40 sites in 19 counties, according to the governor, and suggested the infection rate is as high as 21.2 percent in places like New York City. These are people who were infected and who developed the antibodies to fight the infection. They had the virus, they developed the antibodies, and they are now recovered. The governor says the testing was conducted at sites set up outside places like grocery stores and box stores. These are people who were out and about shopping. They were not people who were in their home. They're not people who were isolated. They're not people who were quarantined, who could uh, argue probably had a lower rate of infection because um, they wouldn't uh, uh, be uh, wouldn't come out. They would have been at home. Nearly 70 percent of the overall testing was done in the region of Westchester, New York. Uh, I should say Westchester, New York City, and Long Island, all in New York. So rather, um, rather interesting. By the way, New York also reported 438 additional coronavirus deaths today. This is additional cases. Well, there have been rumors swirling around that Kim Jong-un's demise is imminent and speculation about who would take his place. But one former CIA expert, Bruce Klingner, he says rumors of Kim Jong-un's demise may be exaggerated. Longtime North Korean watchers share two characteristics, caution and cynicism. The former arises from seeing so many false or premature rumors, including those about the declining health of the leader. The latter from seeing so many attempts at diplomacy fail. 
he's one of those people who's been there and watched that. Well, the most recent media frenzy is like the childhood game of telephone, where a message is increasingly distorted at its retelling. In this case, an initial single-source report of Kim Jong-un's recuperating from heart surgery swiftly deteriorated into reports of grave condition and brain dead. Over the years, many false reports have proclaimed the declining health or death of Kim Jong-un, his father Kim Jong-il, and his grandfather Kim Il-sung. The South Korean presidential Blue House downplayed the recent reports, indicating there were no indications of unusual activity in Pyongyang. Well, this view was uh, affirmed by the source, uh, sources in North Korea who reported normalcy, including reopening the schools after COVID shutdowns. Official media, they've regular broadcast themes, including a report that Kim had sent personal greetings to the Cuban president. However, we can't be totally dismissive of reports that his ill health uh, might lead to his demise. Kim Jong-un was absent from the important April 15th celebrations of the birth of his grandfather, although this year's events were more muted, perhaps due to COVID-19 related measures. More importantly, he has a myriad of health problems and could uh, be one chocolate wafer away from a heart attack. Reports that he is um, in ill health might be accurate. Uh, reports that he is um, on the verge of death, maybe not so much, but it is difficult uh, to know in the hermit kingdom. Meanwhile, the leader of Iran's Revolutionary Guard Corps vowed Thursday that his troops will destroy any American terrorist force, his choice of words, that threatens the country's ships in the Persian Gulf. The inflammatory comments from the major general on Iranian state TV came a day after President Trump warned the Islamic Republic in a tweet that he has instructed the United States Navy to shoot down and destroy any and all Iranian gunboats if they harass our ships at sea. The president was speaking in response to an incident last week in the Persian Gulf's international waters in which Iranian ships repeatedly crossed in front of and behind U.S. vessels at extremely close range and high speeds. And finally, the Dutch Supreme Court now has approved the use of euthanasia for people with advanced dementia in a ruling that also allows doctors to carry out the practice without fear of prosecution. A physician may carry out a written request beforehand for euthanasia in people with advanced dementia, the Supreme Court, which is based in Hague, said in this decision. As long as the request was made in writing earlier, doctors will be allowed to carry out euthanasia, even if the patient can't confirm in later, uh, uh, later due to their illness. Now, the decision comes on the heels of a controversial case where a doctor was cleared of wrongdoing after he euthanized a 74-year-old woman suffering from Alzheimer's and had requested to be euthanized before her condition worsened. God help us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. When we return, we'll give you an opportunity to hear my conversation with Dennis Prager. His documentary, No Safe Spaces, will be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. As you know, I've been talking for the last uh, week or so about No Safe Spaces. I've seen the... Uh, the documentary and have been recommending it to all of you. It was uh, 2019's top political documentary, but it's now available to watch at home. Now, critics called No Safe Space is smart, vital, urgent, and one of the most important documentaries that you need to see today, quite literally today. It tells us disturbing stories of how America is becoming a dangerous place to speak your mind and share ideas but it does it in an entertaining way, if you can imagine that. Well, the film stars my next guest, Dennis Prager, and Adam Carolla. 
but also features Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, uh, Tim Allen, and personalities on the left like Van Jones, Cornell West, and Alan Dershowitz. Well, here to talk with us about that is Dennis Prager, and I am just so honored to have you on the program. Welcome. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you, Georgine. Thank you. I I wish it were a, a happier time, but it's good to be with you. Well, I'm grateful for the technology that makes it even possible, so I'll I'll leave it at that. Now, you and Adam Carolla, who is a comedian, come from two very different backgrounds, but share a common concern about the erosion of free speech and tolerance. How did the two of you come together to produce what I think is a seminal work on uh, free speech in America today? There are many reasons to uh, get this film and watch it and watch it over and over. And I've seen it six times and I and I I find it riveting every time. That's how good Mm -hmm. it is. And I don't take credit for it. It's the it's the producers and writers and directors who I think made it great. But uh, one of the reasons to do it is to hear Adam, uh, who I think is the funniest man in America, is to (laughs) uh, is to hear him describe how. Unlikely it is that he and I would ever team up, given, as you pointed out, you, you, if you manufactured two different backgrounds, this is what you would manufacture. So, uh, but it proves <laughs> that what bonds people uh, is not race or ethnicity or, or, uh, or even specific religion. It's values. And I say it as a religious person. Uh, uh, not all Christians share the same values. Not all Jews same the same, share the same values. He he's uh, he calls himself an atheist. We have every value in common except uh, belief in God. I mean, it, it's uh, so it, it's a very powerful thing that we're together, and and we're both worried uh, about the uh, the unprecedented assault on free speech taking place in America today, specifically on campus. Yeah, I appreciate the emphasis on unprecedented, because I think while many of us are aware of what's happening on college campuses, we don't understand the depth and breadth of the impact that it has. Now, one of the things that No Safe Spaces illustrates is how America is exceptional, but that it's becoming a dangerous place to speak your mind and share your ideas. The film talks about how that happens. Can you touch on on how we've arrived at this point and in a place where you expect the free exchange of ideas is paramount? Yes, I can explain it, actually. It's taken me a good chunk of my life to understand it, but I can explain it. The uh, Wherever the left uh, has dominant influence, there is less liberty. Uh, it, it, it's literally as simple as that, and the left is nowhere as powerful as it is on the, on the campus. Therefore, there is less free speech on the campus than anywhere else in the United States. Well, I have to say that many of the stories that are featured in No Safe Spaces are disturbing. Uh, It's hard to imagine that you're talking about a campus uh, at Evergreen, for example, just down the road from us here in Oregon. You're talking about campuses in the United States. It is unprecedented, and yet uh, it, it seems to be the trend. How hopeful are you that by exposing what's happening and the undermining of the free exercise of of speech and expression, that we can uh, turn the tide if we confront it and understand what's happening? I'll be hopeful if millions of Americans see this film. I'll be totally uh, honest with you. Uh, That is how powerful I think the film is. Uh, And I believe if, if, especially now, it's a God-given opportunity to have your kids in high school or college see this film. Otherwise, they won't because they're not going to do what a parent recommends. And if they could could watch it with you, 
or watch it on their own in the house, uh, it, it will have an impact because it's not preachy. It's descriptive no. and it's even funny. It's even funny. Yeah, how you manage to do both of those things is amazing to me. I wanted to mention that No Safe Spaces had a limited re- release on 200 screens in 2019. Fans didn't get much of an opportunity to see it. Netflix, Amazon Prime, they're not showing it. Salem Media had to step up because there was an effort to silence the message of this film that really straddles both uh, liberal and conservative when it comes to the message of affirming and supporting uh, the free speech. Um, explain how Salem ended up getting the movie, which I think illustrates the importance of it and the importance of the message that must be seen and heard by Americans all across the Fruited Plain. It's really a scandal that such a successful and, and brilliant movie uh, with, you know, pretty big names uh, was, is not, was not accepted for streaming by Netflix uh, or, or Amazon. Uh, it's, it's, very, it's actually, that's part of the problem. It's very, very disturbing. Uh, uh, and so Salem uh, did step up, uh, my my beloved Salem, and and that's that's the vehicle. And if, if the more successful it is with Salem, the more it is a statement to Netflix and Amazon. You should allow non left wing uh, films to be uh, shown on your on your websites, on your streaming services. I think No Safe Spaces is the most important documentary that's been produced in 2019, but certainly available in 2020. And I've been talking about it every day. I have to admit that when I first started watching it, my expectations were limited and it exceeded my expectations in terms of how alarming the information that's presented there was and how serious this issue is. And uh, Salem has made it available on their uh, platform, nosafespaces.com. And with a uh, a discount code of SAVE25, listeners to KPDQ can enjoy a 25% discount. But this is must-see. Entertainment, I think, is the right word because it is that, but it's much, much more than that. How would you describe no safe spaces in terms of yes, the urgency no, exactly, of the need exactly to see it. What you, it's exactly what you just said. That's right. It is very entertaining. Uh, uh, listen, it, this will crack you up. It not only exceeded your expectations, it exceeded my expectations. <laughs> and, and I'm one of the two stars, as they say. <laughs> That's how good a job they did. I kept wondering, how are they going to make this into a movie, not just a documentary, but they did. And how are they going to have people laugh on such a serious subject? But they do. If you don't have the chills at the end of this movie, uh, it, it means you didn't watch it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and to have so many comedians express their concern about um, the restriction on what can and cannot be said uh, and how you describe the importance of not only allowing others to speak, but in the ex- exchange, engaging others, having the opportunity to challenge what other people are saying. And in the absence of that, we've lost something of greater value than I think we maybe appreciate uh, in a republic like this one. That's correct. You got it right. I just hope your uh, your listeners uh, watch it. It, it. They they need good material anyway during this lockdown. It's like we're supplying you with something truly meaningful and uh, important that your kids see. Absolutely. Well, Dennis Prager, I am so grateful for your time here today, but certainly for No Safe Spaces. And I'm certainly advocating that our listeners here at KPDQ take full advantage of this pause that we've been given to sit down and watch it. And you're right, once, twice, many times, I intend to purchase it once it's available on CD on uh, CD because it, it's worth seeing many times. So thank you so much for all that you've uh, all you've done. 
Thank you for what you're doing. Appreciate it very much. Once again, listeners, no safe spaces. It's a sobering reminder that no matter who you are, if you think or say anything that the radical left doesn't like, they will come for you. To understand what lays behind that and how to confront it, you need to see No Safe Spaces. It's on demand at nosafespaces.com, 19.99 for a limited time. And for KPDQ listeners, you have a discount code SAVE25. Watch it today. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to be back in a few moments, so stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the final segment of The Georgine Rice Show. Well, this has been quite an interesting season. If I'm correct, we've been at this sheltering at home, at least uh, for work purposes, for about a month. And it comes with challenges. And then there are some highlights that go along with it as well. For the first time yesterday morning, Dan Rice and I got up at the what seemed like the crack of dawn to go shopping. And we went as seniors to Costco. Now, they have special, I think it's on Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, they have special hours for seniors. And Dan Rice was so cute. He brought out his uh, driver's license in case they were going to card him. I kind of had to chuckle. I didn't bother. I figured they'd figure it out. Take one good look at me and think, yeah, we better get her in quick before she ends up in a geriatric ward. But nonetheless, we made it into Costco to um, do our morning shopping. Now, he and I don't shop together at Costco very often. So that in and of itself was something of an adventure. And we talked about you know, what life would be like someday when I retire, we'd be running errands like this together. So it was kind of a fun thing. But seeing people from our generation and our parents' generation roaming through the store, it wasn't crowded. There was no pushing, no shoving, and people were getting what they needed. I've also undertaken to make masks, and that became much more of a challenge than I expected. Um, You couldn't find the supplies you needed anywhere. I got a tip from Bible Study Fellowship on Tuesday, one of my Uh, One of my girl Bible study friends who said, I got a tip that they have elastic at Mill End. So I made a call later that day and made a trip to uh, to Mill End. And, you know, you feel like you're kind of in a clandestine adventure because you call somebody and um, they say, yeah, we got the stuff. And then you can come and you we went to the uh, to the fabric store and you went in the door, but you couldn't actually connect with anybody and you stood in a lobby and there's a high glass window and you, it was about eye level. You could barely see over the, uh, the top of the window and somebody uh, uh, appears and you go, I'm so-and-so. I came for the stuff. You know, <laughs> it's already been paid for and they hand it out and you make your way out. So I felt a little bit, I don't know, like I was in the underworld, but I got some elastic finally. And this process of making the masks has taken a lot of time. I have purchased hair clips, uh, not hair clips, but like rubber bands that are that are designed for hair and they're covered with fabric. You girls, you know what I'm talking about. I've tried those. I've tried different sizes. I have so many of those things sitting around now. I tried these little um, mechanisms that one site recommended could help you tighten your mask uh, so that it fits more snugly. I tried, I got eight gauge wire and electrical tape to make that nose grip to go. It's just been an adventure to try to get these things done. And the more I, because I, I spent a lot of time researching and I wanted them to be really good. I bought a HEPA filter, a HEPA filter. I took it apart. I cut it into pieces so you could stuff another layer of protection if you're in an environment that's particularly unsafe. So I have a little pocket to put the HEPA filter in. Now, the problem is you probably will die of asphyxiation because you can barely breathe. You've got 15 layers of fabric and all this stuff between you and the outside world. You won't get COVID, but you will just suffocate. Um, but anyway, I've been working on these masks for family members and some of my neighbors. Uh, I'm, I'm not quite finished with all of them, but I um, will hold a celebration in the backyard when I'm done because 
they took a lot more out of me than they should have. And now as I'm walking around and seeing other people's face masks, it could have been so much simpler, so much easier. But no, I had to do the research. So if you're doing face masks, you know, there are varying levels of and degrees of difficulty. There's the no sew version. There's all different uh, ways of doing it. But if you make the mask, make a couple extra for people you care about because they are hard to uh, to get. And finding some of the um, things like elastic can be something of a challenge. I was able to purchase six yards of elastic from Mill In. I tell you, I feel like I am a wealthy woman. I never gave, uh, I never, never gave elastic a second thought until this all happened. And now I have a wealth of elastic and I'll have a little bit left over. So if you need some elastic, shoot me an email and I'll, I'll uh, pass it along to you. We'll have another clandestine meeting. All that to say that, you know, we're learning to adapt. I'm grateful that I'm working, but I recognize there are a lot of people who aren't. They are on the edge and uh, the resources that they're used to having access to. Oh, one of the things I didn't mention was we were able to buy toilet paper when we went to Costco. And I've never reveled about having toilet paper before, but I've got two households, my husband and me, and then my mom who lives with us. She has a separate household, although we are living in the same home. And just getting toilet paper, I was just so grateful uh, to have it. But, you know, there are people who are living on the edge. I'm very careful about what I what I buy. Sometimes you think, oh, I really want to stock up because I don't know when this is going to be available again. But thinking, you know, my neighbor might need this right now. I'm not going to buy two of that. I'm going to get one because that's what I need right now um, and leave the rest for my neighbor. I'm trying to be attentive to what's going on around me. And, you know, when I started my mask adventure, I asked my neighbors, some of whom I've never met, I don't know well, um, barely recognized, but I went around and asked, I'm going to make some masks. Do you need some? Um, trying to be as thoughtful and available as possible, making phone calls to people who, particularly some of my elderly friends, who might be lonely or frightened by what's going on. So this has been a, a challenge. Um, of course, we're broadcasting from remote locations. I'm in my husband's music room slash office. Behind me, there's a piano. Uh, there's a drum kit. There's uh, guitars up on the wall, just, you know, and surrounded by books. It's a relatively small space. And in order to do my job, I try to watch the news on one side of the screen and do the rest of my work on the other side of the screen on a relatively small desk, which means if I'm doing one thing, I can have the keyboard on the table. But then if I, I'm changing to do something else, I have to move the keyboard down to the floor so that I can put other things. It's just a bit of a, a challenge. But again, I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful to be well, uh, to have an opportunity to protect my husband and my mom, who would be in that vulnerable category, to continue to do the work that, uh, that we do to connect with James and Clark and to have an opportunity to speak to you all. And I hope you are adapting uh, as well with gratitude and maybe a bit of humor because it requires a bit of that as well. Tomorrow on the program, that's precisely what we're going to do. We're going to approach it with a bit of humor. It'll be our uh, typical Friday. We'll share with you some of the headline news, but also some of the lighter side of the news. So we'll look forward to that. And among the uh, stories we might cover is the NFL draft, which is, um, I think, tonight. Uh, some of the um, problems that the, I'm guessing they're going to have with this NFL draft, which was slated to be the most lavish NFL draft in history. Well, it's now reduced to the uh, what the commissioner of football, he's in the basement of his home, which I'm sure is a nice basement, but not quite the same as uh, the draft picks being uh, in uh, Vegas coming in on a 
I think they were coming in on different boats to the <laughs> to the location where the announcements were going to be made. Everything's different, but gratitude is uh, will go a very long way. A sense of humor will go a very long way. And I hope you'll join us tomorrow where we'll try to express a little bit of both of those things right here on the Georgine Rice Show. We're just about out of time. I want to thank uh, James Blend for producing today's program, Clark Hilton for engineering, and Dan Rice for the use of his office. He's been displaced for a month now, and that will continue until we can all return to normal. So I want to thank him as well. Thanks for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Hope you'll join us here tomorrow. Good night. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.